everybody, and welcome to the Pride and Prejudice podcast. I'm Colleen. I'm Don. And here we go. So today we are talking about the, what year did this movie come out? This is the Pride and Prejudice adaptation called... 2005. 2005, that's what it is. By the way, welcome to Austin and the A-Train. Oh, right. Sorry. On my my Google Doc, it said Pride and Prejudice podcast. I'm going to change that right now. <laughs> it's fine. Austin and the A-Train. So I made up this whole thing, this whole thing of talking points. And when we were just, like, brainstorming ideas for this podcast, we did we just called it Pride and Prejudice. But then we were like, oh, we could just talk about, like, everything. Let's and talk about so, all Austin. <laughs> let's talk about all of Jane Austen, because, like, why not? And then when we're done with Jane Austen, we'll just go to Texas. Exactly. Okay, so this is the 2005 edition of Pride and Prejudice. It is arguably one of the most true adaptations. The only one that kind of overpasses the true adaptation is the 1995 BBC version, which is a miniseries. So this is the Hollywood version with Kira Knightley. And I know that the actor who plays Mr. Darcy is, like, very renowned and, like, is a very good actor. However, he will always just be Mr. Darcy, and I don't want to know his real name, and I never <laughs> want to see him in 21st century garb. He's just Mr. Darcy. That's yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, it would be like if you see Keira Knightley, like, dressed as someone. I know she was in, like, Bend It, Bend it Like Beckham, which was, like, a contemporary piece, but I did not recognize her at all. I was like, who is this woman? That's Keira Knightley. No, she does not belong in our time. I like, Just like the guy who plays Mr. Darcy. I also do not know his name. I think it's Matthew McFadden. Like, he, his name, even, his last name even sounds like he should have been born, like, two centuries ago. Yeah, he's actually like, a time traveler. If you told me these people were time travelers, and they just ended up in our modern-day time, I'd totally be believe fine. you. Okay, so let's summarize the plot of the movie, and not why we should watch it first. So let's summarize the plot. There we go. Um, okay, so I have the Wikipedia... Summary. Okay, you have 90 seconds. Okay. Wait, and I'm gonna do it. I have, let me get my timer in three, two, one, go. In this adaptation of Jaden Austin, ah, I already messed it up. Okay, Elizabeth Bennett um, lives with her mother, father, and sisters in the English countryside. As the eldest, she she's not the eldest. She's the second eldest. Um, she faces mounting pressure from her parents to marry. While outspoken Elizabeth is introduced to the handsome upper class Mr. Darcy, sparks fly. Although the two obviously have chemistry between them, um, Darcy's overly reserved nature threatens the fledgling relationship. This isn't even accurate. Wikipedia, what are you doing? Oh wait, what is this? Is this Wikipedia, or is it IMDb? Okay, whoever wrote this, you're wrong. You missed a lot, and you're dumb, and I don't like you. You have 50 seconds left. Um, okay. Um, there's also, you know, Elizabeth's sister, which is, like, plot the B-plot, and there's Mr. Bingley, and then they fall in love and stuff. And then there's the annoying one, Lydia who is even more annoying in the movie than she is in the book, which is just crazy. Like, in the movie, she is more annoying beyond my wildest imagination. And then there's this douchey douche named Wickham, and he is gross and creepy. And, yeah, there you go. Time is up. No, it's not. You have 15 seconds. I'm done, Dawn. <laughs> End the timer early. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There you go. That is Colleen's stream of consciousness um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So one of my favorite podcasts is a um, 60 second recap. And, but I'm, but I'm gentle. So I thought we would give us ourselves 90 seconds. Cause I feel like a lot happens. A lot happens, but I, I felt like on the spot because I forgot we were doing that, so I didn't have anything prepared. So I was just like, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. okay. Do you want to use my timer or do you want to count me in for to summarize? Oh, uh, you block? can use your timer because then you'll see the time. I will be like, okay, I think time's up. Oh, man, I, there's more time left. I want to try a f- different way how to do this. Okay. Ready? Go. Three. Okay, so Mr. Darcy decides to stay with his friend who, <laughs> for some stupid reason because he likes his friend. But then he comes to a dumb town ball and he hates everyone because everyone is way too noisy. But there's this cute girl, Elizabeth, but she's not as cute as everyone else. And he doesn't, and, he, and she's out, and she sits out for like one dance, so therefore she's clearly not that popular. But then she realized that, hey, she's actually kind of pretty. Then all of a sudden her sister appears and, and Caroline mainly annoys Mr. Darcy. Then. <laughs> Elizabeth, <laughs> and then all of a sudden Elizabeth is staying, and he can't really notice it. Oh shoot, she's really witty, and we're actually getting along. I like pretend bickering with her. What is this? Why is this fun? <laughs> oh, and then I'm just going on a nice little horsey ride with Mr. with my friend Mr. Bainley, and then oh look, my arch nemesis appears. I have to deal with my friend's annoying little sister and my arch nemesis, so I just run off with the horse. But it's okay, because my friend is throwing a ball, and I'm going to get up the courage to ask Elizabeth Bennet out. That's what's going to happen. And so he does. And so... No, it's after he insults her entire family. No, he asks her for a dance at the American right. ball, at, at Mr. Bingley's ball. You're right, and you're right. And then they have this beautiful, magical, amazing dance that's a beautiful, and... But then he feels insulted by her family is totally ridiculous. And you know what? I got to save my friend Charles from this ridiculousness who are there just trying to go after his money. I have to save Charles. I need to save Charles Brainley. And I'm at time. Okay, at least I made it in time. Okay, so basically just put my <laughs> synopsis and her synopsis together. And you basically get the whole thing. What is a Netflix synopsis? I always find those hilarious. I'll look it up. Okay. Dawn, fill for time. Okay. So this movie, I would say, is definitely, it's very, it's a very romantic take on Pride and Prejudice, but not in romantic in the, like, Fabio sense, even though I don't, Fabio novels have not been popular for, like, 30 years. Um, Fabio himself, however, is timeless. He, I don't think he ages, and if he does, I don't want to see it. <laughs> That's like, I think you're there's right, like right. some movie where it's just like, see how these stars have aged in the past 27 years. And in my head, I was just like, yeah, of course they've aged. It's been 27 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I think it was mm-hmm. Home Alone or something that they were like talking about it. Yeah. Okay, so I got pulled up Netflix and now I'm just like watching the trailer while you were talking. It's like on mute, but I was just like, oh, look at them. Anyway, um, so the Netflix synopsis is, in Jane Austen's tale of 19th century England, is that correct? We're going to pretend that's correct, even if it's not. No, it is, because it takes place, the book was published in 1813. Oh, true, true. You're right, you're right. It's safe to assume that that the book takes place, like, from between 1809 and 1813. Gotcha. Okay. So, in Jane Austen's tale of 19th century England, Mrs. Bennet hopes to marry her daughters to prosperous gentlemen, including the new arrival, Mr. Darcy. Okay, that is probably between between the two of us and Netflix. I think, like, 
Dawn probably hit the nail on the head the most because, you know, she at least mentioned, you know, the protagonist, Elizabeth, <laughs> and not her mother, who's barely in the show. Like, bro. Mm-hmm. I don't know what y'all are doing, but it's not the right thing. So if anyone is interested to know how this podcast started, it all started because of a message I sent to Dawn. Oh. Wait, where'd it go? Where'd it go? No, it calls on. Okay. So it all started because of a message I sent to Dawn like months, like a couple of months ago. Hold on, where is it? Okay, anyway, so the message was, Dawn, I'm feeling British, so I'm going to watch Pride and Prejudice on Netflix while I bake cookies. And then I just kept sending Dawn my random thoughts as I was watching the movie. And thus, a podcast was born. And I would like to be known that, like, I hadn't seen the movie in years, and I knew exactly what she was talking about. Exactly. Um... Yeah, okay. So, I think we have to talk about the different medium, because it often gets kind of lost in translation, like when you turn a book into a movie. So, we're talking about Pride and Prejudice book, for the most part, we're kind of in, like, Lizzie's head a little bit. Like, it's third, I believe it's third person limited, because we're just on, like, Lizzie cam. And so, all, like... Because, like, books, it's, like, the, ni- the nice thing about the book format is the fact that you can be inside people's brains. Like, you mm-hmm. can literally know what their thoughts are. As opposed to the movie format, which is, it's all visual. Like, you, it's, it's like, a good movie is just, like, all visuals. Like, you pick up bits of the exposition from, like, mm-hmm. different stuff. So, considering that, like, Jane Austen doesn't have these, like, grand descriptions of exactly what, like, Pemberley looks like other than it being a great house or, like, what it's Netherfield... Pretty. Moving on. Yeah, like, she doesn't... Jane Austen is very more involved in the little conversations and, like, the little thoughts that each person is having. Um, so how do you think it translates from the very, like, headspace kind of medium into the more visual medium? I feel like it did it very well but I think Jane Austen also just lends itself to like movie adaptations like if Jane Austen was around nowadays she probably would have been a screenwriter like she probably would be writing screenplays and not novels because it's so focused on the dialogue and the back and forth that like even when you're like reading the book like it's all about the dialogue and like the like little sassy looks that like between Lizzie and her dad or Lizzie and Jane or like rolling her eyes at Mr. Darcy or Mr. Darcy scoffing and I think because of that that's why it translates really well into a movie and I think that's the other reason on why it's so popular to do like a modern adaptation of it like uh, for this podcast I was looking up modern adaptations of Jane Austen and there are a lot especially about Pride and Prejudice because like it's kind of timeless Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why is because it just lends itself to a screenplay is so easily and because there aren't all these specific depictions of like oh and there was a tree to the left of the fountain that was also on Pemberley and it was next to the house which was adjacent to a giant pool of diamonds or something like that that you don't you get to take more liberty as somebody who like would make the film you could take more liberties you get to just kind of go with your interpretation of like this is what Pemberley would look like you don't have to fit into the specifics 
Yeah, and I think the other, like, the thing that, like, appeals to me about Jane Austen is that it takes this world and it makes it realistic. And what I actually love about the 2005 adaptation is that it feels real. Like, our first shot of Lawnborn isn't, like, it's not, there's a lot of temptation with any kind of period piece to, um, make everyone look polished. Everyone's in the newest fashion. Everyone has, Mm -hmm. like, perfect clean clothes, like, not a hair is out of place, and often you see, like, modern hairstyles or modern makeup. And this one doesn't. Like, Mm -hmm. Kira Knightley has frizzy hair throughout most of this movie. And it's beautiful. Like, I love, like... It is great. No one has worked, like, a little bit of frizzy hair or baby hair is more than, like, Kara Knightley in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like how they don't always look, like, primped and polished and, like, like you were saying, like, they don't look clean. But, okay, like, they look clean, like, they took showers or whatever, but they don't look, like, immaculate. Like, when you see, like, what was it, Les Mis? Les Mis, it was kind of the same way where everybody had, like, a little smudge of dirt on their face because, you know, it was, like, post-revolutionary France, nobody's taking showers every day because they literally can't afford to. So, like, it was kind of like that. That's, like, a level of realism that I feel like a lot of movies, especially when you do a period piece, you kind of forget about. Yeah, and, like, also with, like, like, some of the fashions, like, oh, like, they noticed, um, like, for their more casual dresses, like, the waistlines are a little bit, like, less exaggerated. Like, whereas, mm-hmm. like, when they go to the ball, like, those waistlines are way up there, which was the style at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, their going out party is, like, way, their going out clothing is way more fashionable. And also, even just, like, the light, like, how you can see, like, the dining room table, there's a bunch of sewing because this is a real house. Like, it's mm-hmm. not... And, like... You can see, like, the golden light of, like, the sun coming in early in the morning, like, after Lizzie does her walk in, like, that first shot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like, when you go to places like Lady Catherine's and Netherfield's and Bailey, like, there is, like, that stark contrast of, like, oh, we're in a different place. Like... Yeah. So I love, like, the little... Like, I think that's what is very appealing about Austin is that it's a very slice of life. It's not, Mm -hmm. like... We are not talking, like, houses burning, like, um, people's ex-wives burning down their house. Like, we're talking about just, like, slices of life. <laughs> Whatever are you talking about? Whatever uh, book are you talking about? <laughs> I love Jane Eyre. Just saying. <laughs> I gave, oh my god, so somebody tweeted the other day about how Jane Eyre, like, their favorite book in high school was Jane Eyre, and that's why they think they, like, like, they like men who are mean to them, who, like, are quippy back and forth, like, and then it was, like, a quote from the New Girls was, like, stop being mean to me, I'm gonna fall in love with you, and I was, like, oh, she was, like, she, the person said, oh, snap, are you Mr. Rochester, and I was, like, oh, but what about Darcy in Pride and Prejudice? Oh, but it's, oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Like, Elizabeth Bennet is the Oh yeah, like, they have, like, a quippy back and forth, but, like, Darcy, like, just flat out insults her the first time they meet. The first time, like, he really sees her, like, but I like, because you can kind of see, and, like, the way that they, like, shot it is that, like, the, um, like, you can see, like, Darcy is taken aback the first time he sees Elizabeth, and, like, there's, like, a little spark, and, Mm -hmm. like, you can kind of see, like, there's at one point where... 
she needs to get into a carriage, like, after after Jane gets better from her cold that her mother forced on her, and he, like, his hand, like, lingers, like, on hers, like, a little bit longer. It's, yeah, like, that kind I like of, like, those. tiny little details, which don't mean a lot, and I think my favorite tiny little detail in the entire movie mm-hmm. is when, like, the soldiers first come to Meriton, and... Kitty and Lydia are just like, well, if we drop something, the soldiers have to pick it up. So I think Lydia just like... Oh, yeah, she kept, like, throwing tissues everywhere. She, like, took her handkerchief, which, by the way, like, handkerchiefs aren't, like, are expensive. Like, the bunnies don't have a lot of money. And, like, throw it into the streets, and, like, the camera just follows this, like, handkerchief as it goes down into the cobbles, like, the cobblestone And it gets walked over by... Yeah, and it gets walked over by a soldier. I was like, ooh... Relatable. It's like it, it's the 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 nineteenth century equivalent of dropping the pencil of dropping your pencil in the classroom so that way your crush has to go pick it up. Yeah. But then I, instead he walks over it and breaks the pencil. And I hate like it's it's one of those like I like I think it's very like it like it's one of those like oh how could you like translate something like that into like a visual format and I think it does it very mm-hmm. very well. Um, yeah, I think they did that very well. And I also like the act. They got like a really good cast of actors. Uh, what's her name? The one who was the act mate, the girl who plays Jane. She's also the lead in Gone Girl. And Rosamund I remember Pike. when I noticed that. Yeah, Ro- Rosamund Pike. That's her name. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was watching this and I was like, she plays a psychopath in Gone Girl, and she is these. Jane is the sweetest human being on the face of the earth, and I was I was like in awe because I didn't. I'm really good at like recognizing actors, like to the point where it's kind of weird, it's kind of scary. Where I'll just be like, that person's from like uh, the 1977 production of Cabaret, and like what? Anyway, so normally I'm really good at that, but I actually struggled so to figure out. The, yeah, but I actually struggled to figure out that that was the, that was that was the same person. Like they they just got an all star cast. Also, I found Bingley Charles Bingley's actor was super relatable because he just nailed the awkward like goofiness that is Mr. Bingley yeah. and like the just like how personable he is and that versus I, like how Darcy is just very just like hi. Yeah, and I think, because it's really easy to make Bainley very one-note, and, like, the Mm -hmm. text kind of just makes him very one-note, but, like, Mm -hmm. to see him, like, it it would be really easy to just make him this, like, gentleman who is a gentleman, and, like, but to kind of make him this, like, he's really sweet and kind of awkward, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't read, wait, no, I like being outside, but wait, you can't read outside, I know how to read, it's fine. (laughs) I know how to read, I also love that joke, because, like, back then, it, not everybody was literate, so I think, I just thought that was so funny, I was like, that's, like, an actual concern, oh my god, that's adorable. not not exactly, like, he was a gentleman, like, there, that, wait, he was a gentleman, but, like, back then, it wasn't, like, Nowadays, pretty much, like, the majority of, like, about 90% of people you're going to meet are literate in at least some form or sen- yeah. some sense or form. To some extent, everybody has different reading levels, blah, blah, blah. Um, but back then, it was not like that. So I thought that was really funny because I was like, oh, snap, that is some like, that's actually something that you would have to note. Like, I do know how to read, I promise. 
Yeah, I think, like, it was just, it was very charming. And to see, like, mm -hmm. that, like, oh, Jane is the one with, like, the calm energy. To be like, okay, it, it's balanced out. Like, mm -hmm. um, and I have to say, like, please, for those of you that don't know, I, like, I have, like, a big music background. The music in this film is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think... Um, so good. Not only is it... It's really well written. I'm about to be a music geek for, like, five minutes, by the way. So... <laughs> I love okay, it go. so... By the way, Colleen, Colleen just, like, rolled her eyes because... It, which clearly read to me, like, oh, you're, well, you're only... You say it's only five minutes. It's your entire life. Get over it. Like, I mean, okay. Take out the get over it part. I was just like... What else is new? Us being music geeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, Sorry. the score in Pride and Prejudice is just gorgeous. And, like, it does... So, with film music, you really can't get too complicated with, like, harmonies and, like, mm -hmm. like the different, like, counter, like, counter lines. Especially a film like this where everything's kind of understated. Yeah, so they take basically very... But what they did, which was very clever, like, is they... And I know that the... Like, I read an article in NPR last year um, that, like, the writers who wrote the Downton Abbey soundtrack actually did the same thing, where they took, mm. like, basic harmony structures and just put in, like, some embellishments from mm -hmm. the, um, like, the 18th century. And, like, just even some mm -hmm. of the stuff... and. By the way, this is, like, totally, like, Music Geek, is in the ball scene, they have a wooden flute. Like, they have, like, this side, like, transverse flute, like, the flute that you would normally see in, like, an orchestra, but it's made out of wood, which is, like, they're using a historical instrument in a movie. Like, that's insane. I appreciate that. Yeah, and, like, none of the strains have, like, crazy amount of vibrato, and, like, when they do accent it, like, when they do kind of, like, bring it in to, like, modernize it a little bit, it's, like, they... It's usually when a scene, like, when it's going over their head. By the way, um, I don't know if you picked up on this, because I didn't pick up on this when I was, like, first watching this movie, but the theme, like, so there's, like, this big scene where Elizabeth and Darcy are dancing at Bingley's um, ball, and that's, like, mm -hmm. the first time they, like, realize, like, oh, shoot, I like, uh, like, we like each other, shoot. Ooh, it's getting um, spicy in this dance. <laughs> so the melody that they used is the melody um, by Purcell from Alba Bazaar, I think is what it's called. But it's the oh, one that yeah. Britain used for uh, Britain's Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra. Yeah. So it's one of those, as soon as I heard it, I was like, wait a second! Hold up there. Yeah, that's the thing. Once you have, like, once you get, like, a degree in music, everything sounds like something else. Well, Which is great, but also, like, we're just like, hey, wait a second, you're pulling a fast one here. Yeah, you either love, you either learn to love the music you love more, or you learn, and, like, learn to, like, love a lot of stuff more, but you also start hating stuff. Like, I can't listen to Green yes. Day anymore. Aww. Because of my music degree. I can't listen to Green Day anymore because of my music degree. And it's fine, because now I don't want to. <laughs> like <laughs> That's fair. Because yeah. of my music degree. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, musically, like, they were able to, like, like, just through, like, the sound. Like, they were through the sound of it and, like, through the visual effects. Like, you really were transported through this world. And they did... I'm just remembering my old high school, like, English teacher. Like, when she talked about the... Stor 
Sturm und Drum. Like, she, like, really relished saying, like, the German term for, like, the stress oh. and the storm that was Oh, that's because German terms are so much fun. Storm und Drum. That's way more fun than what, what does it actually mean? Stress and storm. Like, stress storm and storm. And stress. Like, Lame. But that's all it means in German. Like, but, yeah, but, like, it just sounds so much more powerful in German. Like, I don't blame her for saying that. And, like, they totally, like, because they definitely had, like, their liberties, where it was, like, Darcy walking with the wet shirt. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it was just, like, <laughs> um, okay. Or, like, oh, I'm not going to complain go- about it. I was not complaining about that part. No. Or, like, the, um, like, there's that scene where, like, Elizabeth's riding the carriage, and then all of a sudden she's in this flowy dress on top of a clip side, and it's, like, like. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, what um, are you doing? Or, like, the shot of, like, the sun flickering on her eyes as like Mr. Darcy's letter is read like mm-hmm. yeah they, you could definitely tell they took a lot of care with the cinematography and I also like when you were bringing up the stuff about the music I noticed that too and as like probably one of like 10 people who would have listened to this and been like and have noticed if it was stylistically relevant to the time period I appreciate the fact that they did that by the way this was like because I know, like, basically ever since, like, I kind of follow, like, the sewing costume, like, YouTube world, where it's, like, the three people who like to do historical dress. Yes. Um, including, like, the Bernadette, like, Bernadette Banner, um, Kathy Hay, and mm-hmm. Morgan Donner. Like, they've started to become really popular, so I think more films have actually started to pay attention to their historical dress. But this was way mm-hmm. before this, yes. like, world of, like, oh, you can look up how they used to make dresses in the medieval times on youtube like this is way before that time so the fact what a time to be alive where we can just like look that up on youtube and actually find something that's accurate it's like or at least like yeah like i know at least like i'm a i i'm not sponsored by bernadette banner i just genuinely enjoy her videos she cites all of her sources but like if she wants to sponsor us we won't say no yeah, and, like, there's, like, the little stuff, like, they weren't wearing corset, they were wearing what's called stays, which was, like, a precursor to the corset, and, like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, they weren't afraid to show what beautiful was in the, um, like, in the in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. I also noticed that while I was watching this movie, some of the stuff that went over my head when I was reading the book kind of made more sense like I think at one point they all go out to get ribbons and like ribbons for me is like I'm going to Michael's the craft store which we're not sponsored by but like I'm going to a craft store because I'm doing a craft that involves ribbons or I'm wrapping a present so I was like why are they going to get ribbon for for like the ball like are they wrapping presents and then watching the movie I was like oh ribbons for their dresses that would have made that yeah that makes sense so I I appreciate watching this movie because I feel like some of those things that get lost because I didn't you know I didn't grow up in 19th century England so some of it would just go over my head because I just wouldn't understand it watching the movie and literally seeing like this is what the fashion looked like and this is what they did all day and here were the chickens on the farm on their house everything just kind of clicked into place so I like can we also so I know I pray yeah like I like that point like can we just like for a second appreciate some of the subtleties that were not in the book like Mm -hmm. I realized that like the director basically tried to make like look like Mrs. Bennett was, like, a wine aunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
every single party scene, she's, like, chugging the wine, and there's at one point where, like, the waiter, like, takes her wine glass away, and, like, Mr. Bennett, like, runs to go get it. Um, He's like, no, no, I'm not dealing with this. And then, like, there's, like, the day after the ball when she's, like, putting, like, an egg in a glass of milk, and I think that was, like, an old hangover cure. Like, oh, that's what that was. Okay. Well, they did, the, the more we talk about this, the more I'm like, wow, this is such a great movie. Like, I already liked it. But when we talk about it, I'm like, wow, there's so many layers to this. This is great. This is great film. This is this is a good movie. Um, 10 out of 10 recommends. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not doing the ratings yet. People are going to think we're done with the podcast. Don't oh, I? sorry. Never mind. Okay. I'm sorry. I randomly rate things throughout the day. That's like, fair. That's fair. Like, whatever. I'll be like, I'll be like half, like, I'll sip the coffee that I made by myself in my own apartment. And I'll be like, <laughs> 10 out of 10. And it's like my game 10 out of 10 to no one. I will go on Snapchat and be like, I got, I love how I'm holding up my phone as if this is a visual medium and not a podcast. But anyway, so imagine me picking up my phone, going to Snapchat, and then filming me holding my cup being like, 10 out of 10, would recommend, because I'm an asshole. Yeah, and I think... Let the record reflect, okay. Dawn just agreed, I am an asshole. No, sorry, wait. <laughs> It's fine, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm sorry. My brain was doing the thing where, like, you were explaining. I was like, I know what Colleen's explaining. And I was just like, oh, yeah. like, here's how can I connect Let to me the think next about topic. the next thing I'm going to say. And then um, I was just like, I oh, get yeah. You. I agree with you. And you were like, well, I agree an with you. I am an asshole. No, I accept it. And that's what matters. Okay. But I'm it's honest. okay because I'm funny. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. It's like, with enough charisma points, you can get away with a lot of stuff. Exactly. I Speaking of which, Darcy has, like, none. And Wickham had way more than him, which I think is sort of, I think that's why the actors did such a good job, because, I mean, to be an actor, you have to have a certain, like, presence. And you could tell that, like, the guy who plays Darcy was just kind of reining it in, because he did not have a lot of charisma. He was, like, it was that's kind of also what I like is you got to see he's not like nasty he's just Mm -hmm. awkward yeah he's just awkward which I I mean if you're reading the book you're just like wow this guy's a jerk but then you watch the movie and you're like oh he's just like a human cat like he doesn't get it he genuinely doesn't get it he also like you could tell also I appreciate how in the movie he didn't directly see Elizabeth and basically look at her like look her in the eye and be like she's not pretty enough for me to dance with no because that's how it definitely comes across in the book but at least like she was like behind a pillar or something so you didn't see her she just overheard it yeah and i think like the other thing is like i loved like with that entrance like when he came in and like he saw elizabeth and he like shuddered and then he like looked down because it was just like cute girl Mm -hmm. no (laughs) girl no me like and I also liked seeing, like, because we didn't really see this in, um, like, the book, where, like, Elizabeth is actually insulting the men of Meriton. She's just like, I don't want to end up with any of these fools. And, okay, like, I related just... to that a lot, because, <laughs> like, when I read this book, I was in high school, and I related to that sentiment a lot, because it was, uh, it was slim pickings for me in high school, with okay. the boys. So, yeah, I related to that a lot, so <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Oh, I loved that part. And, like, mm-hmm. what's funny is, like, I felt the same way in high school, and then I still ended up with, like, a boyfriend where I was like, why did you end up with him? <laughs> like, but whatever. Um, 
Yeah, I think, like, and I think, even though it's like, okay, this is clearly in the 19th century, the humanness of, mom, stop it, stop it, mom, stop it. Oh my god, the relatableness of, like, stop, oh my god. Well, I think, like, and even when it's just like, okay, everyone leave, Mr. Collins needs to talk to Lizzie, like, you can just see, like, Karen Knightley (laughs) mouthing the words, papa, stay. Dad, dad, no, dad, come back, no. And, like, her, like, clutching on to Jane's arm so she doesn't leave. Don't leave me, don't leave me. No, I, that is so relatable. Yes, all right, so I have another idea of a headcanon based on... Oh, the way that um, Collins acted when asking out Elizabeth, the way this actor portrayed Mr. Collins. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't looking at Lizzie the entire time. No. And it was just one of those, I will marry Jane. And then and then Mrs. Bennett was just like, don't marry Jane, pick another one. And he was like, okay, I will marry Elizabeth. And she was like, that's fine. Like, there was no personal yeah. thing whatsoever. Like, it wasn't Nothing saying, personal about it. Yes, I understand in the book, like... I think there is a line about, like, oh, well, Mr. Well, like, okay, Elizabeth, Mr. Collins thought that Elizabeth was, like, just as handsome as Elizabeth, so he just had to transfer affection, so it wasn't a big deal to him. Like, he basically. It's still so weird. Yeah, it no, just it is... really emphasizes how marriage was not about love. So here is my hot take. Oh, boy. What if Mr. Collins was gay? I believe him. Because he doesn't actually look at Elizabeth. He doesn't... He, I don't think he actually wants to get married. Basically, like, Lady Catherine was just like, yeah. get married. And he was just Lady like, Catherine was like, it's creepy, you're not married. And then he was like, okay. I have cousins I'm supposed to marry, so I'll do uh, that. Uh, like, I think we mentioned this in the previous episode, but, like, that's just... that's. Uh. Yeah, it's not great. And so it's one of those, like, okay, there's no inclination that he doesn't like men but like there is an inclination that he might not like women or might not like elizabeth he might also just be asexual that is a, that is also another thing and like that is also another thing but in my head like just to make the collins and charlotte lucas marriage better if they were both each other's beards i feel like i would appreciate that <laughs> i would 100 percent believe that like i don't think like i don't think charlotte lucas has like a thing for elizabeth there's no inclination like as to like her preference like in sexuality or anything like but Mm -hmm. that's just a headcanon that i would like to accept and you know what art belongs to those that consume it so i can exactly modern retelling of pride and prejudice where mr collins is gay and i mean like if anything like studying a little bit of literature or like knowing a little bit about the law world Mm -hmm. is if it's in the text could probably fr- you could probably find a way to frame it like yep i mean also back then like part of the reason why representation just doesn't really exist was because it was very taboo to be anything other than straight yeah and not I, that it, i mean like we with the, with the lgbtq plus community still struggles now but back then it was like what well, you're not no you're not you have to get married to a woman i don't care who you like well, and it's funny because it really, that really started to get pushed around this time and a little bit before it, because like back in the 1600s, um, for women in England, sometimes it was called a Boston marriage where it was just like, oh, they're so faithful to God. They are such <laughs> good friends. 
Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, and, like, they, because basically, like, men thought, oh, women don't like to have sex, so. Yep. Like, oh, they're just really good friends, so let's just yep. let them be together. Meanwhile, like, all of the 17th century lesbians were just living it up. Like, yeah. Oh, um, my gosh. That's, like, a thing with archaeologists where it's, like, you fi- they find, like, two... They find out, like, two women lived together and, like, raised a child together. Yes, they were just really close friends. Like, they ran off together and their husbands were okay with it. They, they ran off... Okay. Yeah, I mean, like... Virginia Woolf was a polyamorous bisexual woman. Like, that's confirmed. Like, oh, yeah, 100%. Polyamorous bisexual woman. Yeah. And, like, Emily Dickinson, like, she's, she likes women. Emily Dickinson was, yeah, she was definitely not it's, straight. It's possible that she could have been pansexual, but she definitely liked women. Yeah. She could have liked men, but she definitely liked women. Yes, definitely, yeah. And I mean, like, I will have to say with Jane Austen, like, there's no other, like, LGBTQ inclination. Like, in other works of literature, there definitely is. But, like, this one, like, I do have to say it's very, and this is where we do kind of have to privilege check Jane Austen, is that it's Mm -hmm. very, like, of the mainstream culture. Yeah, (laughs) it it really is. I would agree with that. The only things that are, like, not of the mainstream culture and, like, the things that are radical are, like we wouldn't modern audiences wouldn't see it as radical they were totally radical back then especially when like elizabeth mm-hmm. is like i would never make you happy you would never make me happy don't do this like a woman refusing yeah. marriage like that was radical but like yeah. and like it's important to understand the historical like significance of like why that was radical but like for us mm-hmm. it's just like yeah you go girl you go girl don't marry that guy mm-hmm and then you, like, hate on Charlotte. Like, I feel like a modern audience is like, Charlotte, what are you doing? You're insane. I have to say, like, that's that was a beautiful scene to watch, though. Like, Charlotte... Mm-hmm, the scene between the two where yeah. Charlotte's just like, Lizzie, I need to move out of my parents' house. And she's just like, I'm already a burden on my parents. I don't have money for a dowry. I'm 27. Like, I can't, I can't do this. I'm scared that I'm not going to live a good life we're almost her age we're closer to lizzie actually because lizzie's we are oh right you're right so i think we're technically jane's age oh yeah yeah oh my god i just Um, like to keep that in mind every now and then like reading romeo and juliet being like i remember when i was in high school i think i read it in like the ninth grade or something, or I was really young, and my teacher just goes, you know, Juliet was 13, and I was like, what? Yeah, Juliet's father wanted her to get married and start having kids. <gasps> she was 13! I'm older than that! I can't do that! And I remember having, like, a major, like, brain implosion when that happened. So every once in a while, I'll just be like, huh, that's all there. Oh my god. What? It is nice to keep that in perspective. Yeah. Um, But I think that was a beautiful scene of, like, Charlotte just being like, don't you dare judge me. Like, Mm -hmm. her laying it down for Lizzie, like... Also because Lizzie's super judgy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So judgmental. And, like, it's like, you could tell that she was having a hard time of being like, no, this is not what I... This is not... I I can't be the romantic. I can't go for that. Like, Mm -hmm. I have to be realistic. Like... It was just such a beautiful, beautiful scene to watch. Yeah. And, like, the, that actress delivered it so well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I think like one of our sections for the movie stuff is um, how they did on casting choices. I think all casting choices in this movie were just spectacular. Yeah, they were like really spot on, and like mm-hmm. I think the actress who plays Charlotte is definitely like a very pretty, like she's like a hand, like like a very nice looking woman. Mm-hmm. But they kind of did make her look a little plain. Yeah, I mean back then she would have been. She was it was a poor family she was coming from. Right? Or it was, like, lower middle class. Poor. Air quotes poor. Like, they're, like, her, like, her father is, like, a knight. He is He was a knight, so, like, yeah. But, I mean, they they throw around that a lot on all the synopsis where it's just, like, yeah, they have, they're, like, solid, like, solid middle class to, like, lower middle middle class. class. They're, no, they're, like, upper middle class. Well, no, because Charlotte Lucas... Charlotte oh, Lucas was a little bit more. She had less money than the Bennetts. Yeah, she had a little. They bit just less had money. status. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Because yeah. Sir William Lucas, like he wasn't of the landed gentry. He, but he was knighted, so he was technically on the same level, um, mm-hmm. or like technically a level above, because he was knighted by the royalty. But it's so confusing. It definitely is, like, a weird, like, system. Like The social classes definitely get lost on me because modern America. Mm-hmm. All right, so how do you think this feels in 2020? In 2020, I mean, what is what, what were some of the notes I kept sending to you? I would get very sassy in my notes where I'd be like, yeah, Elizabeth, you called Darcy out on his BS. What, who does he think he is talking to you like that? I think it ages very well, this story overall, especially because, like, it, it's timeless. Like, it, it's it's Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, like, it's like, oh, it's a, yeah, like, it's just... It's so well shot. Like, mm-hmm. that scene, like, at the morning where it's just like, yeah, I love her. Like, I love you. I don't want to admit it, but I yeah. love you. Please, yeah. I'll marry you. Or I also like the scene after she has, after Charlotte Lucas is like, do not judge me. And she just spins around on the swing because she's in a bad mood and she's, like, spinning around aimlessly, like, for, like, an hour. And it's, like, little touches like that in Jane Austen and then, like, the movies based off of Jane Austen that I just love. Because how relatable is that? Just, like, hanging out or just, like, sitting down and staring out the window because you're so bored. And it, like, it doesn't feel melodramatic. Like, she's just... It isn't even... Yeah, like, it isn't melodramatic. It's just, like... It feels... The proper amount of dramatic. Exactly. And, um, like, I do have to say, like, Jane Austen's writing, it's not very romantic in the sense that, like, for example, Dickens is a very romantic writer where it's, like, these awful things are going So melodramatic. On. And, or, like, like if they're, like, the, if there's a couple in Dickens, it's, like, the happiest couple in the world. Like, mm-hmm. Jane Austen is very... She sticks to the reality, and even though she was at the time to, mm-hmm. like, be crazy dramatic, like, she didn't do that, and this movie actually took it to, like, like emphasize kind of, like, the more dramatic bits, but they mm-hmm. did it so in a way that was very, very tasteful. Yeah. And, like, it just enhanced it. Like, I just... It's one of those, like, random shots where it's like, why is this in here? But then you're so happy that it is of, like, yeah. her with the flowing cloak behind the her flowing, on top yeah. of the rock. Like, 
Mm-hmm. But, like, Darcy with the wet shirt, like... <laughs> you talk about that a lot. Do you... He is an attractive man. He was I'm a very he, yeah. No, it's well, okay. Like, He's an objectively attractive man. In the rain, by like the weird column thing, being like, "I love you." <laughs> I love like, you. You like, insulted my family. <laughs> I still love you. Like you still insulted my family. And they're like screaming at each other while there's like a thunderstorm going on, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we don't. I feel like with a lot of like love story stuff, especially nowadays, like people like in 2020 want the sarcastic love story. Like they don't yes. want like this traditional. Like they think that's cheesy and hokey and awful. The Jane and Mr. Bingley. Yeah, like they don't like that. But like, so any kind of dramatics that are usually added, they're just like, ugh, unless it's like people being sarcastic jerks to each other. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of, I always think of like Jess and Nick from New Girl, where he's like awful. Yes. And she's just like, I'm weird and blah, 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 blah. I'm quirky. <laughs> I'm quirky and I talk like this. Like, mm-hmm. even though I don't have to. Like, it's one of those, like, yep. oh my gosh, like, they're, like, so insane. No or, like, they're, like, kind of, like, nasty to each other. But yeah, like, or, like, any characters that fall in love on Gilmore Girls. Yeah. We're like, no kiss. Yeah. Like, it's just, especially, like, when Rory and Jess were, like, not a thing. It was just like, just make out. Yeah. Are you team Jess? Oh, I'm so team. I'm actually, now that I'm watching them as an adult, I'm more team Jess needs to end up with Paris. I'm team no one because honestly, like, they all have negative attributes. I would rather Jess end up with Paris. That's true. Yeah. Their negatives would balance each other out. Like, Paris would just be like, what, you want to sling burgers all day? Like, get your ass into school. Oh, my God. I'm, no, I'm team Paris. I just, like, yeah. And, like, Paris, and then, like, Jess would be like, hey, you need to take it down a notch. Like, get it into reality, Paris. Like, you're, like, you've inherited She'd be like, this. how dare you, tiny man? I will destroy you. But they would, like, balance each other out. That's the thing. Like, yeah. Because, like, the thing that, like, Paris is nervous about is, like, the thing that Jess is way overconfident about. And, like, yeah. it's just they would balance each other. It would be it would be a perfect blend. This is a podcast about Jane Austen, by the way. This is a podcast <laughs> about Jane Austen. But what is Gilmore... I find Gilmore Girls is, like, kind of similar to Jane Austen in certain ways. Obviously not the pop culture references, but in the, the witty repartee, the going back and forth, the, like, fake arguing and the... Bat, the banter between like you and the person you're really into. I feel like that trans like that is what we want, and that's evident in Jane Austen and in Gilmore Girls. So there you go. I brought it all back. You're welcome. Also, both Paris and just like Jane Austen. Just saying. <laughs> oh, true. You're right. You're right. They mentioned it in that one episode where like Paris. The one episode where Jess and Paris met. My my favorite. I'm sure there's, like, a fanfic. My favorite Paris moment, this is a completely off topic, um, but my favorite Paris moment is when Rory calls her from the hospital, like, when Logan's in the hospital, and none of the doctors will tell her everything, and Paris is like, what hospital is this? And who's the doctor? No problem. Hangs up with Rory, and Rory's just, like, freaking out, and she's like, my best friend just hung up on me. What's happening? And then you just see the nurse pick up the phone. And just get 
you don't know what's being said, but all you know is that's Paris on the floor, and she is ripping this nurse a new one. And then she gets on the phone with the doctor, and then fine, and then calls Rory back. She's like, "So this is what I found out." And I was like, "Oh, Paris, I want to beat you." I yeah, I like to think of myself as Paris after she found arts and crafts. Yes. Yes. Um, I would also say that. Lizzie Bennett, when she goes to see her sister and, like, walks through the mud, like, that is some Paris Geller energy right there. I love that. And I love how she's just like, okay, I'm just gonna walk through the mud. Like, whatever. Like They're like, well, we don't have a carriage. She's like, I'm gonna walk through the mud for my sister. Like, we all need that, that one person in our life where it's just like, they will walk through the mud for you. Yeah, because it's one of those, like, she's alone in a strange house, and it's, like, it's weird. And, like, when she comes yeah. to, the, like, the drawing room or whatever, she's just like, hi, so, uh... <laughs> hi, I am covered with mud. Can I shower, please? Thank you. Oh, no, she doesn't even, like, I don't think she even acknowledges the fact that she's dirty. No, she's she doesn't, like, but, like, you can tell from her face, she's like, I am very gross right now. She's just like, hi, I'm here to see my sister, and that is it. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, and then Darcy falls in love with her. He's like, oh, she's covered in mud. Adorable. <laughs> And then, like, well, like, I think, like, Caroline Bailey jokes, like, her ham was six inches in mud. And he was just like, I did not notice that. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely oh did not notice that. Yeah. Fitzwilliam Darcy genuinely did not notice that. Um, <laughs> Fitzwilliam Darcy does not give a shit. Can we also talk about the fact that his name is Fitzwilliam and he has a friend named Fitzwilliam? Wait, what? So, like, his friend is named Fitzwilliam, but his first name is also Fitzwilliam. I'm not gonna lie, when I first read it, I legit forgot what Darcy's first name was, because everyone just says, Mr. Darcy, Mr. Darcy, Mr. Darcy. You only see it, like, once or twice, and it's when he signs the will, and it's, like, when he yep. signs the letter. And, like, she never calls him Fitz, whereas if this was, like, 2020, she would call him Fitz or something. Like, <laughs> hey, Fitzy, stop calling me that. No, yeah. Fitzy, what's up? <laughs> Yes. I mean, like, no, like, people do call each other, like, by their, like, last names. Like, people at work call me by my last name. But, like, it is, like, I could see him being, like, a yo, Darcy. But, like, also, I feel like Caroline Bingley would be, like, Fitzwilliam. Like, she oh would God. stretch out all of Oh, my it. God, we haven't even talked about Caroline Bingley. She and was how so This nasty. actress nailed the just mean girl attitude that you... You don't think of, like, the mean girl, like, archetype fitting into this, like, era, this time period, but she did it seamlessly. Well, and I think, like, I just love that scene where, like, they're going to pick up Jane, and it's like, a Mrs. Bennet, a Miss Bennet, a Miss Bennet, and a Miss Bennet, and she's like, oh, for goodness sake, are we going to see every single Bennet in the country? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, that was a mood. Just like when they like sit down, like like the mom and like Lydia and Kitty are in these like bright pastels, and Mary is in like drab, like yep. oh Mary, dark green and like gross. And like I thought it was actually there was also a really sweet scene with Mary. Like after like I loved like how like Mary was just like I'm gonna go play the piano. Like every time like they walked into mm -hmm. the house, like she just she was the person who plays the piano at the party. Yeah, she was. And then afterwards, like, he, like, shut, like, the dad shut, like, Mr. Bennett shuts the piano. He's like, okay, sweetie, now we're going to let other people pl have yeah. a turn. 
and like you see her cry like there's like oh, this scene yeah. where like she's crying and like you just hear her say like I was practicing all week and like he just like lets her hug her like he lets him hug okay. her like in person and like pats mm-hmm. her on the back like it's just one of those like oh he's a very loving father which was in the book I feel like the dad comes across as making it very obvious that Lizzie is his favorite daughter but in the movie I liked that they made him like not a complete jerk yeah like he's actually like a dad he's a very distant like he's still just kind of like the aloof dad but he is a dad like he's definitely like more even with his affection and you could tell in the movie that he just he likes Lizzie because they have the same sense of humor yeah which is like clear in the book but like in the book that it doesn't really talk about if he talks to his other children at all. Well, there's no, like, Jane Austen didn't see a point. Like, it was Yeah, like, exactly. I yeah. mean, like, there's, like, no, like, it gets a lot easier to show that through film. So I, I just appreciated that. I will say, like, I'm a big book person, but, and, like, I've learned to appreciate film more as an adult, and, like, I do have to say that as, like, like, that is one thing that the film genre definitely has a little bit over the movie genre is, like, there mm-hmm. can be background stuff that, like, yeah, you can pick up on, like yeah. when they do like the sweeping scenes and like you see that happen, or like you mm-hmm. see Mrs. Bennet like dancing with the wine glass in the background, um, or Mrs. Bennet with her feet up, and that's like that. There's a scene at a party where Mrs. Bennet is like drinking wine, talking about how rich her family is gonna be once Jane and Mister Bingley get married, oh. and you see Darcy walk past her, and she just has her feet up, like it's not her house. She just has her feet up on the furniture, and as someone who gets really just uh, about people doing that, like in my apartment, I related to that so much. Darcy being just like, oh my god, these fucking people. No, and I related to that. Like, she walks in, she's like, I'm going to live up there, and I'm going to live up there. And, like, when, yeah. like, she's leaving, she's just like, this is the best house in all the country. Like, I can't like, wait to live here. Like, I... And, calm, calm yourself. Yeah, and I think this movie does, now that I'm thinking about it, this movie does a much better job of seeing both sides of, like, why Mr. Darcy could not stand Elizabeth's family. Like, it's hinted, like, the book is way more focused on Elizabeth, and I feel like the movie is focused more evenly on the two of them. Yeah, and I think it's very obvious. It's a lot more, I like, it was pretty obvious in the book, but I think it's a lot more obvious, to, like, with Darcy's tone, that he also cannot stand Caroline Bainley, like... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, who could? Honestly. Also that, like, Bingley's kind of a ditz. Oh, yeah, Bingley is such a ditz in it's really nice the to see, actually. Yeah, because in the book, he's just the perfect... He's the perfect man, and Jane is the perfect woman. Then why can't they just make it work? But, yeah, in the movie, it's definitely more clear on, like, he's kind of a ditz and is not picking up on the fact that she likes him. But, you know, she's also, like, not making it very clear that she likes him. Yeah. And I think, especially if we're thinking about, like, trying to relate this to the modern age, I think in 2020, this movie provides enough of, like, the little town drama. Like, we were relating mm-hmm. it back to Gilmore Girls, which I know is 20 years old, but, like, it's, like, the small town, like, kind of drama, where mm-hmm. it's just, like, who's going to end up with who. And, like, yes, yeah. the whole thing with Lydia is extremely scandalous, and, it's, and it actually was of the time. That was a very dangerous situation for her to be in mm-hmm. it's a dangerous situation like for any woman to be yeah in. like 
and like it definitely like but nowadays like if something nowadays if they were living if they were living together and not married it's not a big deal but i think the issue also was like that would have ruined the fam quote unquote ruins the family because no one would want to marry into the Bennett family because of the drama and that definitely is Mm -hmm. less of an issue nowadays um that's less of an issue nowadays but i will say as someone who grew up and i mean you relate to this too like as people who grew up in like smaller towns where like everybody is all up in everybody else's business like I could totally see how that would make life very difficult yeah and I mean like look I'm like the product of like a teenage pregnancy and like I'm not gonna lie like there were a few times when I like would would try to hold like I was never ashamed like I never thought I was ashamed of like my like the fact that I was like raised by paternal grandparents but like there were a few times when like I would hold back like the true nature of like who was raising me mm-hmm. and it's one of the like and granted like I was raised in like an open household like where that was like always discussed but mm-hmm. um, yeah like that seriously would have ruined the entire family and if they have no money and like oh no Collins isn't marrying them they can act Collins can actually turn them out of the house with the yep. drop of a hat like yep. no questions asked um mm-hmm. Like, but other than that, like, it's almost like this, like, nice little, like, cozy slice of life, like, perfect for, like, a mm-hmm. rainy day kind of movie. Like, just, yeah. like, because it has, like, the beautiful, like, everything seems of the 18th century, but it's in a way that's very homey. So I think it's one of those just, like, this is a wholesome movie. <laughs> it is, is so wholesome. It's, like... I, I mean, there's, there's a reason why I decided to watch it, because I think I was baking something from the Great British Baking Show at the time. I was making Millionaire Shortbread, which is, like, a super British food. It's delicious. Okay, now now here's the part of the show where I talk about what I was baking. So it's, like, a layer of shortbread, and then a layer of caramel, and then a layer of chocolate ganache. So it's basically, like, a giant Twix bar. How amazing is that? So that's what I was baking, well, I- and I... I've heard it's some people delicious. put, like, the little non-para wells on top, too. Mm-hmm. Which I think yeah. is just, like, that is, like, my teeth are rotting. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> was delicious, and I was in such a good mood when I made it, because it was just so yummy, and I knew it was going to be so yummy. Anyway, so I was in a super British mood when I was making this very British dessert, and then I decided to watch this movie, because it, it's, like, perfect if you're in the mood for something, like, upbeat and happy and, like, slice of life but like you want a little something more substantial then this is a very good pick yeah like it's one of those like it's two hours worth of slice of life but it works and Mm -hmm. like there are definitely like other interpretations like when you're reading the book it doesn't feel as slice of lifey it definitely feels a Mm -hmm. little bit more like high school-esque but I think this movie does a good job of being like still elevating that drama but also being a little bit slice of life which yeah Especially, like, kind of what's going on nowadays would just kind of be, like, yeah. And I will have to, like, I do have to say, though, like, if you're looking for a diverse movie, this is not the movie. There is, like, it is very white. So white. I mean, it was also England. It it was, like, colonial England. So it wasn't exactly the most diverse. Like, England is not the most diverse place in the world to begin with. It's getting there. It's getting there, but, like, I mean, nowadays it's not exactly diverse. Yeah. Europe in general is just not a very diverse place. Yeah, and it's one of those, like, I don't personally have the census report, so I personally don't know what the makeup of Hertfordshire would have been like in 1809. Um, yeah. 
but I like, mean, it's not it's not diverse, which is just a check your privilege, Jane Austen. And it's also like with this movie, like yes, it's another movie that's directed by a white man. Like, <laughs> yes, it's yes. another movie that's directed by a white man. But like, it that doesn't mean it's bad. Like, I just I can't like if you're looking for something that is more diverse, I can't recommend it. But if you're looking for a wholesome slice of life, then I totally recommend it. It is very wholesome. Yes. Yeah, and I like. I, it's one of those, like, and I think, Colleen, I think you agree with me on this, like, you shouldn't always shun things because of, like, quote-unquote, like, the lack of diversity unless it's, like, open, like, unless it's just, like, don't watch Birth of a Nation and think that no. it's great. Like, we're not... Yeah. Representation like, matters, but, yeah. Really, but no, you, that's, that's it. Representation matters. Representation ma- matters. It's just, like... This is a good movie. It's not very diverse, yeah, that um, is the one check we do have to give it. It's not diverse, yeah. but it is like it is a good movie. It is not diverse. Yeah. Okay. So, who was the most annoying character? Most annoying I, character is a kitty. I call it the Kitty Award. So it's her or her sister Lydia. No. They're both really annoying. They're both equally annoying in oh, this I movie. Oh, I loved them. I loved oh no, I loved them, them, but I was also like, I would never want to meet you in real life. I think that's because so. like. It's like you're on the outside, so you're like, I don't have to deal with it. Yeah. So like, it's I like when you're watching, watching Gilmore them. Girls, and you're just like, oh my god, I love Babette and Miss Patty and Paris. But then if you actually had to deal with them every day, you'd be like, ah. Uh, I think they're more of a Madeline and Louise. Like, yeah, Madeline. Yeah, you're right. Madeline, Louise, the boy crazy girls. Oh my god. Like, again, they were so much fun to watch, but like, I would never want to like have to deal, interact with yeah. them. Like, I loved how, like, and I, that's the other thing I like is like, a lot of period dramas like treat everyone like they're so civilized and like these girls yeah. were silly like Mary yeah. was annoying like Mary was just like haughty and yeah Elizabeth I think was judgmental yeah I think that's something that I think there's a balance between period movies where you have the period movies that are like everybody's prim and proper all the time and we're fancy and like we're always on our best behavior and then you have on the other side I think it's the show Dickinson which is about Emily Dickinson where they kind of go the opposite direction where they try to modernize it to the extent where like they don't really talk the way they would back then they use words like totally which is um like there's not there's no classical music playing in the background they, they play like Lizzo at one point which like I love Lizzo but it was kind of jarring at first to see them in period costumes and then having them to be like that's totally unfair that women can't go to school and I'm like what you just said what now but they capture the, the spirit of Emily Dickinson and her poetry and the spirit of the times and her family interactions. I feel like this movie, Pride, um, Pride and Prejudice, is like straight in the middle where everybody still talks the way they would have back then. Like all the dialogue sounds like they lifted it straight from Jane Austen's book. But you still see the personality come through, like modern day personalities getting infused into this older drama. Yeah, and I think it's they're human like it's one of those like it's just yes they're human it's just of the time like there's no other way to put it either of the time yeah people in different eras were also people yeah people always forget that i know i do it's like when you watch hamilton and you're just like oh yeah like they were all like human beings. They weren't just like you. Pi- you always picture like the founding fathers as the in the portraits that we see of them, but it's no. They were actually people. That's like 
flawed like, people. I mean, nowadays that's like Instagram versus real life. Like, yeah. So. So okay. my Instagram where right. I posted what a hot mess I was the other day. So I think the kitty award, like, it's, it should go to kitty, but I think it just goes to like, I think it actually goes to um, Mr. Collins, just specifically for the line where he's like, this would have been a home that anyone would have been happy managing. Like, just, who petty. It's just like. And meanwhile, like, Elizabeth and Charlotte have left the room. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I liked this version of Mr. Collins because he just comes across as very clueless and just kind of just not picking up on social cues or anything like that at all. Whereas in the book, it's he's very annoying and pompous Uh, in the book. In the book, it's almost like heart, like, which I know the whole point of him is that you just groan when he comes by. But, like, it's definitely one of those in the book. It's just like... In the book, you groan. In the movie, you just kind of sigh and roll and shake your head or roll your eyes. Or no, you sit with your cup of tea and your popcorn. Like, like, what's like, what's gonna happen? Let's torture these people. All right. So, okay. So, most clueless award, I would think it goes to Mr. Bennett. I would say Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> or, yeah, I'd say Mrs. Bennett, which is funny because we originally named this the Mr. Bennett Award or the Emma Award, but we haven't gotten to Emma yet. But, yeah, I'd say in the movie, the most clueless was Mrs. Bennett, which is funny because in the book, it's Mr. Bennett. Yeah, in the movie, like, he's just, like, with it. He just chooses not to interact with it. Yeah, um, which is such a dad move. I think we talked about this, like, while I was originally watching the movie because I was like, oh, my God, Mr. Bennett is my dad. Like, my dad always, he always has a pretty good idea of what's happening, but then he's like, I'm gonna go to the basement now, goodbye. I would much, like, for Mr. Bennett, it's like, I would much, because, like, you see him, like, working with an orchid, which is, like, I mean, yes, it's still, like, an exotic plant, but, like, totally Mm -hmm. back then it was a very exotic plant. He's like, I would rather Mm -hmm. arrange my taxidermy birds or play with my exotic plants than actually get involved with he was like Whatever Mr. Gilmore. He was like Richard Gilmore, because Richard Gilmore was like, okay, um, if you don't watch Gilmore Girls, you should, or listen to the Gilmore Guys podcast. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, he's kind of like Richard Gilmore. Them. Richard Gilmore always knew exactly what was going on, or but he just like, chose to not get involved. It was one of those, he's like, I could spend time thinking about what my wife is up to. Or I could not. <laughs> or I could go to my study and read a book. I'm gonna go to my study. I'm gonna read the London Financial Times while drinking exactly. some Exactly. That feels better. Exactly. Um, alright, do we have any... Alright, so, um... Oh, the creepiest creep award, of course, goes to... Wickham. That's not a question. There was a perfect cast- casting choice because you just look at him and you're like, ugh, I don't like you. He definitely has, like, a sinister vibe about He just has, like, a major, like, Slytherin... Red flag, red flag, red flag, yeah. like... Slytherin, just, like, you're up to something mm-hmm. vibe. Um, yeah, and then I think self-insert is what we're calling it. Oh, yeah, self-inserts. Where do you see yourself and who do you relate to the most? Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth, yeah. Last week I was Charlotte. This week I'm Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I related to Darcy more in the movie than Elizabeth, which is funny because last week second. I was Elizabeth. Last week I was Darcy. I was between Darcy and Charlotte. Yeah, you were between Darcy and Charlotte Lucas. Yeah, this week I'm like, I related to Darcy in the movie a lot because I find, especially when I'm around like new people, I can kind of get into that Darcy headspace where I just like, please don't talk to me. Please leave me alone. I want to go home. I don't want to be here. Yeah. People annoy me. And I think it was really nice to see like, Darcy getting near emotional, like, at the thought of Wickham, because of, like, what happened with his sister. Yeah, and how, oh my god, and also just how Darcy, like, has this horrible interaction with Elizabeth where she rejects his marriage proposal and then accuses of him, him of these horrible things. He writes her a letter, and then he sees her again, and he does not have any bitterness towards her. He is he is the most lovely he has ever been when he sees her after she rejects his marriage proposal which is just so funny because it's like nowadays I mean if you reject someone's if if someone proposes to you and you reject them like there's no coming back from that well like even back then like totally too like yeah I don't I personally do not think that Collins whether questioning his sexuality or not I think he's gay um like, did not really have any affection for Elizabeth, but he still is, like, petty towards her in the movie. I mean, he didn't have affection towards, like, any... I mean, he was like, Jane's pretty. I'll take her. No, she's not available? Okay, I'll take Elizabeth. That one's not available either? It's like he was buying shoes at a store. I was like, you mean... The black shoes aren't available? Okay, I'll take the blue ones. Those aren't available too. I guess I'll get the... The gray ones. Purple gray ones or whatever. Yeah. yeah. If you treat your marriage like you're shoe shopping, it's bound to be a bad idea. Okay. There's the sound bite. There's the sound bite. I'll put that before the intro if you want. Um, yeah, I loved seeing Darcy, like, has like, the human. emotional side. Yeah. Like, because it does, like, you don't get to see him be emotional, and, like, it definitely is very subtle. Like, mm-hmm. if you're. Which shows what a good actor he is. It's. Like, especially, like, during that one dance where, like, all of a sudden they're dancing and everyone's gone and it's just them. I love mm-hmm. that scene. Oh, my God, yeah. And, like, Purcell is in the, the Purcell melody is playing in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it is beautiful, like, him just being like, and what have you heard? Like, it's, and I can, like, kind of relate because we all have, like, everyone has a little bit of that, like, private family drama where, like, if people mm-hmm. found out, it's like, no, that's not healed. Like, that is something that's not going to get healed. Like, you keep yeah. it close to you. Or you have the family drama where, like, people hear about it, but they don't know the whole story, and then you find out people are gossiping, and you're just like, well, that's not what happened. Yeah, like, everyone has has either, like, has a situation like that going on or, like, has had a situation like that going mm-hmm. on in their lives. And if you haven't, you're about to, most likely, where... Yeah, it's we're sorry very, to tell you this, but it's going to happen. It's, like, where it's... There's, like, many sides, and it is complicated, and, like, it's hard to tell exactly. And I like the fact that he didn't say, well, Wickham was a dirtbag because of this. He's like, this is what happened as far as I can tell. Yeah. Like, it was very, like... This is what happened as far as It was I very saw factual. It. it would have been so easy for him to be like, well, Wish- Wickham is the worst person ever and he's a duty head. And like, but instead no he was like, would have blamed yeah. him. Yeah. And like, yes, he did that in the book, but in the book he reads across as much, much colder than yeah. 
much, much colder. Well, yeah, in the book, they also give him time to just kind of, like, shit talk, um, wake him a little bit, and then that's because I noticed that was kind of missing from the movie like, where he's just like oh Wickham in the movie whereas in the book he's just like oh Wickham like and then he just kind of like trash talks him a little bit and that's when Elizabeth yeah. is like you're a jerk like what are you doing as someone who trash talks people as you can probably tell from this podcast I hold no I pull no punches so I relate to Darcy a little bit because of that but yeah, it, w- it is nice to kind of see him just be very factual and be like, he did this, and then he did this, and this happened to my sister. So, yeah, I do not like the guy. And you know what? Like, you could argue that, like, he is a little bit of a Mary Sue in this movie, but I'm kind of okay with that. Like, I don't think he is a Mary Sue, because a Mary Sue usually has no flaws, and, I mean, his flaw is his pride. I mean, Elizabeth accuses him of these things, and he he's not, like... That's not true. He's, how could you think that of me? Mm-hmm. How could you think I would do that to someone? Which I think is what distincts, um, it makes him distinct from a Mary Sue. If anyone's a Mary Sue, it's Mr. Bingley and Jane. But Mostly in the movies, again, like we were talking about, just it's Jane. definitely Jane. Um, but in the movies, like we were just talking, in the movie, it comes across as more like a real person. Mm-hmm. All right. So that is our take on 2005 production of Pride and Prejudice Weeble. Yes. So next week we'll be diving into the Colin Firth BBC 1995 version of Pride and Prejudice. This is another one that's pretty close to the book. So you'll hear us next week. Bye. Bye.